just to see God moving. It wasn't a, it wasn't a large crowd, and uh, but but it was so good to see people lifting up the name of Jesus together. wasn't a big offering, dollar and a half. But I'm telling you what, that's sacrificial giving right there. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I know that we're not comfortable with all of the things that we've been going through. Not being able to come to the house of the Lord and seeing some of the things transpire. Welcome to our world. We have people that I work with in fact, if they were able to connect, one of them may be watching right now through the medium of the internet. But I work in places where not one time can people get together like this. Never. It just doesn't happen. And, and, and I understand your feelings when you say, oh, it's so good to be back in the house of the Lord. Imagine if you've never been. And yet you still love Jesus. I, I don't know how it works, but I do know this, that those souls baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and those souls filled with the Holy Ghost are still experiencing the same spirit and presence of God in a, in a very unique way where they are serving Him. I better get into the Word of God. Thank you so much for your kindness, your hospitality, and uh, great, beautiful accommodations back there. But we've already been hanging around. Sister Annette's put up with us for a while, and, and uh, we're, uh, we're just so thankful that you all have been so kind to my wife, our family, through the years, and we're just excited to be here. Jeremiah chapter 31, and uh, hopefully this will all go good. Jeremiah chapter 31, going to read the last few verses, beginning in verse number 38. And uh, here, here's what it says. This morning, Brother, Brother Harrelson, he, when he opened up his scripture, he, he said, you, you've all read this before. I may read stuff that you've not read a whole lot. But I think God's got a word for us here tonight. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 38. Behold, the days come, says, saith the Lord, that the city, and if you have any kind of reference Bible, you'll see it's talking about Jerusalem right there. That Jerusalem, the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel unto the gate of the corner. Verse 39, the measuring line shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill Garib and shall compass about to Goath. And lastly, verse 40, and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields unto the brook of Kidron unto the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy Unto the Lord it shall not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever. I'm, I'm going to preach with the help of the Lord about a new city. We, we've already sung about a new city. How many are looking forward to, to getting into that new city one day? Hallelujah. If you're excited about, would you lift your hands to the Lord? And would you give him praise and glory and honor? Hallelujah, Lord. We're committing your word into your hands tonight. We're praying, oh God, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would rest upon us, that you would minister through your word and through your servant, yet you would anoint me to speak forth your word, that you would equally anoint every ear to hear, whether it is a physical presence in this building or somebody listening or watching through the means 
of the internet, we're just praying right now that the anointing of the Holy Ghost and that the power of God would somehow reach down and, and touch each and every life, Lord. We're just praying, oh God, that your will would be done in this place. Move and minister in a mighty way, in a glorious way, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated in the wonderful name of the Lord. A new city. These words spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. He is commonly referred to as the weeping prophet. For throughout his years of ministry, he foresaw and he foretold about this coming destruction of the city of God's people. Jerusalem was going to be tread underfoot by heathen armies and foreigners are going to come in and they're going to take the people of God captive and joining his voice with many of the other prophets of his day and of his time and his era. He spoke an uncompromising word to a generation that did not want to hear it. We are living in a similar day and at times I am sure that everyone who steps to a pulpit to declare the uncompromising word of God feels like a prophet Jeremiah. For in Jeremiah's generation, there were people that only had itching ears and no doubt they cried out and scripture even records the moments where they would look at Jeremiah and tell him, don't prophesy these things. Why don't you speak like the other prophets and why don't you tell us the good things that are going to happen and why don't you speak a blessing and why don't you speak of prosperity and why don't you speak about God coming and delivering us? And yet with the steely boned backbone, this sage refused to change what God had placed upon his heart. And so he was imprisoned and he was beaten, even thrown into a muddy well because of an uncompromising message that one day Jerusalem is going to suffer destruction at the hands of heathen nations. Jerusalem, its inhabitants, the people of Judah are going to be held captive, but he always held out a little light. He always held out just a, a little bit of promise. And, and in fact, Daniel refers back to the prophet Jeremiah when he's in Babylon and, and says, I remember what the old man of God said. He, he told us that this was going to happen, but if I read his word carefully, we're only going to last through this for 70 years. And after 70 years, things are going to change. And after 70 70 years, God's going to step on the scene again. And after 70 years, God's going to intervene and touch the heart of the same heathen nations that took us away. And those same powers are going to give us the permission to return once again and reestablish and rebuild a new city. It was this establishment of the city of Jerusalem that would endure for the ages. In fact, what's interesting, if you, if you have your Bible open, all you have to do is just read on to the next chapter and you'll, you'll read where the prophet literally puts his money where his mouth is. Because in chapter 31, he ends it by saying that, that God's going to restore us and God's going to rebuild the city and, and here's where the city's going to be and, and you just read on a few verses and suddenly God's telling the man of God, now I want you to buy a field. 
And if you study where Anathoth was, that field, it was just on the north side of Jerusalem. It was gonna be in land contained in this brand new city. It's like he's living out before its time the, the parable of the man who found treasure in a field. If you read Jesus' parable, it was this man who, who went out in a field and found treasure and spent all he had and no doubt suffered mocking and ridicule and, and, and cr criticism for having bought this field. And suddenly, after he had purchased it, he went and dug up that treasure and said, look what I've got. And everyone who made fun of him suddenly were praising him. And so it was with Jeremiah the prophet buying this field and, and putting it in his name and, and ensuring that in a generation to come, after these 70 years, somebody of my lineage, somebody of my family is going to get to live in this new city. I'm going to make sure that we paid the price today. I, I, I'm going to buy when the market's down. There, there's times I would have loved to have been able to invest in certain things. When people thought Apple was a produce company. When, when, when people thought Microsoft was like these small little dart things that you're going to throw. And if I could have got those at a dollar a share. Jeremiah bought when the market was down. But what an investment, folks. Now, now there's, there's some amazing things about this rebuilt city that the, the prophet is speaking of. He, he, he describes it as going to be measured differently than, than the first Jerusalem. It's going to be surveyed and it's going to be marked out by a totally different means and a measure. It's going to be drawn out and, and organized by divine measures. And as he begins to give these divine measures, the, the message is simple and the message is clear that the borders of the new city are going to far exceed those of the old. It's going to be a bigger city and it's going to be a better city. It's going to be a much larger city. It's going to be a renewed city. And inside of that renewed city, there is going to be a temple that is going to blow your mind. In fact, another prophet kind of coattailing on the words of Jeremiah said this in Haggai chapter 2 and verse number 9, the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I, I hope you understand that all of this is not talking about a temporal thing. I hope you understand that, that what the prophets are speaking about is not something made by the hand of man and not something that could have been orchestrated by, by the ingenuity of, of, of common men, but we're talking about the church of the living God, not an earthly city, but a heavenly city, a city that cannot be shaken, a city that cannot be moved. And according to Matthew 16 and 18, the gates of hell themselves cannot prevail against the church. I'm glad I'm a part of the church. It is rather incredible when you read through the account that the, the man of God gives. It is mind-boggling to his hearers what they are literally hearing this sage proclaim. In verse 39, we read it. He said that it's going to go forth 
against it upon the hill. Garabin will compass about even to Goath. And from there, it's going to go to the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields of the brook of Kidron, even to the corner of the horse gate toward the east. You got to understand that when those that were in his audience would hear these words, and even in later years when, when they would peruse the writings of the old man of God, they, they, they were, were somehow shocked to think that how could he say these things? When he said that it was going to reach Garab, Garab literally comes from a Hebrew word that has a couple of meanings. One of the meanings is to scrape. Another of the meanings is, is a scab because it is actually referring to the place where the lepers were consigned to go. And lepers were consigned simply because of the, the nature of their sickness. They, they would scrape their skin. It was the camp of the lepers. It was the place where, according to Jewish law, that the, the, these unclean people would be set aside away from the healthy and no longer could they enter the boundaries of the city. They were literally the castoffs. They were the dregs of society. They were ever cursed to cry out their curse to those that were around them. They were ever cursed to be the outsiders in a nation called by God. They were ever cursed to be outside the walls of the city. They were ever cursed to be beyond the place of security that only a city wall could provide. They were ever cursed to become the prey of the beasts of the field and the thieves of the night. They were ever cursed by those who literally took pleasure in their destruction ever cursed that the only company they could ever keep were those of similar, terrible, morbid condition. The only the ones that would love them were those whose love was a simple memory of days gone by. Love was replaced by survival and family was replaced with rejection. And yet the prophet, the man of God says, the borders of a new city. Oh, I would that you would understand what, what the man of God is saying. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jeremiah. Oh, that we would somehow see that, that the mindset of, of a Jewish nation was being twisted and, and it was being perplexed by the words of a man who said the new city's going to include the unclean of the unclean. He said it's going to reach over to Goath. Goath is a word that, that literally means a place of toil. It was, a, it was a terrible, ruddy, hard hill that was difficult to climb. It was a place literally no one would desire to visit. It was on the southwest side of Jerusalem. And, and it would be impossible for anyone to live there under normal circumstance. And yet somehow in the vision that the man of God possessed in that hour, he said God's going to stretch out the borders of the city where even the most difficult place for man is going to become a habitation of glory. He said the, the borders of this new city, the walls of this new city are going to encompass what was called the valley of the dead. 
and it was Jerusalem's equivalent to an old west boot hill where the renegades were buried, where the, the impure were buried, where the pagans were buried, where those that were unclean were buried. Some actually think that it was the field where Sennacherib's army of 185,000 Assyrians fell dead in the time of Isaiah. You can read about it in 2 Kings 19. Whether or not that's the case is irrelevant in the time of the writing of the prophet. It was a place called Tophet where you buried the thieves and you buried the criminals and where you buried the beggars and you buried the cripples and, and all of those who had no one to care for them. That's where you put them. I don't know what it's like here. I, honestly, I don't know what it's like. I don't think it is the case, but in some parts of the United States, as in some parts of Canada, you, you don't bury Protestants and Catholics in the same place. Where, where we work in West Africa, God forbid that you would ever bury a Muslim and a Christian in the same plot of ground. One considers the other to be unclean. The other considers the other to be unclean. And there the two shall meet. And, and so there's just a few spots around where, where they'll tell you, oh, that's where they bury the Christians. And you can, you can kind of catch the condescension in their voice and the sneer in their attitude. That, that's that's kind of unclean territory. We, we wouldn't even bother walking near it. That's the kind of place that the valley of the dead was. It was where those who had no one else to care for them, that's where we put them. Funerals were cheap, but funerals were for the uncared for and those that literally had no one else. And yet the prophet goes on and says, it's, it's even going to encompass the fields of Kidron. Now, the, the Bible says much about the fields of Kidron. That is where Asa burned the obscene idols of his mother and reduced them to ashes. It is where Athaliah was executed. It, it later on became the receiving place for all manner of impurity and unclean objects. In the time of Josiah, it was similar to the Valley of the Dead. It was the common cemetery in the city. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 23 and verse number 4, the king commands Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and those that kept the door to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and all the hosts of heaven and he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and took the ashes of them to Bethel. Kidron was a dump. Kidron was where the waste went. Kidron is where we, we get rid of the off-scouring, everything that we don't want and consider impure, everything that is unclean. And, and it, it just becomes this trash heap of broken idols and sin and disobedience and rebellion. And, and it's an ash heap that, that speaks of the condemnation of every sin ever committed within and without of the nation of Israel. And yet God in his compassion and God in his grace says I'm going to build a new city I'm going to build a new city and the lowest of the low are going to be included in it and the deepest and most profound of sin is going to be found within it when I build that new city whosoever whosoever a people 
who you don't even call a people. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 4, Arise, shine, for the light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. I don't know about you, but when I was in darkness, when I was deep in sin, oh, I would that I would not be the only one here tonight with the testimony of the goodness and the grace of God that when I was in the deepest darkness of sin, there was a light that came shining. The Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee and the Gentiles, how could this man speak such things? And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Verse four, lift up thine eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from far and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. God says when all hope is gone, when despair is the prevailing story on the news, there is something that's gonna happen. A transformation is gonna take place. And when the night is the darkness, the light is gonna shine the brightest. The old man in the New Testament holding baby Jesus in his hands says this in Luke 2 and 30 through 32, mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He probably didn't understand even the words coming out of his mouth. For holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. He probably didn't even understand. But he's saying, I'm standing in the temple ground and I'm standing in a Jerusalem. But hear me, there's another Jerusalem. There's another city that's gonna be built and its walls will include even the Gentiles. Hosea 1 and 10, back in the old, this man speaks and says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people. There it shall be said unto them, You are the sons of the living God. Hear me, there's a message rising from the old and speaking even to our day. It's a message to the outcast and the outsider. It's a message to the excluded and the rejected. It's a message to the unwanted and the abandoned. It's a message to the hurt and to the dying. It's a message to the cursed and the sinful and the immoral. It's a message to the corrupt and the bruised and the battered and the, and the broken and the bleeding and the unwanted and, and the dis. It's a message to the unloved and the reviled and the detested and those living in isolation. It's a message to the ostracized and the criticized and the condemned and the confused. It's a message coming from Jesus himself saying, come unto me. Come unto me. But we better be careful. This is God measuring out the city, not you and me. 
he's including some places we don't want to go. You better be careful. This, this word, it kind of manifested itself in flesh in the New Testament. And we read of the Pentecost preacher sitting on a rooftop. And God's trying to push him through this the spiritual wall that he's facing because he thinks that this, this new city, that's for us. That's for us four and no more. And God has to visit him three times with the vision. And in that vision, he sees a sheet coming down with all kinds of unclean things. And, and the man of God, he is a man of God. And, and he is anointed by the Holy Ghost. And, and he's in touch with God. And, and he's probably prayed and fasted more than all of us put together. And, and he knows the Lord and, and freshly endued with the power of Pentecost. And he declared the unadulterated and uncompromised word of God. And yet God is having to con- victim he said no Lord no 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 you don't understand I don't eat stuff like that in Acts 10 and 15 God rebukes the preacher and the voice says to him the second time what God has cleansed that call not thou common you be careful of what you judge you be careful about what you call is unclean and what's unfit for the kingdom and, and where we can't go and how we can't have revival and who can and cannot come in and who and can and cannot come out. Hear me, we better be careful because God is measuring a new city. And it's going places that we never anticipated. And it's going to include territory that, that we had never envisioned. And if we're really going to walk with God, we're going to let God do the measuring. Zechariah chapter 2 and verse number 1 and 2 says this, I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand and then said I whither goest thou and he said to me to measure Jerusalem. I want to measure the city to see if it's big enough, to see if it's wide enough, to see if they're actually building it the way God has ordained it to be built. You better be careful when God measures. God holds a plumb line. You know what a plumb line does? It makes sure something on a higher level is matching to that which is at the lower level. Now understand, it's not us who hold a plumb line going up. I'm, I'm not trying to see if I can get God to line up with me. But rather the plumb line comes down and, and I've got to ensure that what I'm doing is going to match up to God's will and God's plan. Not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God holds a plumb line to you and me. And he measures this thing we're building and this kingdom we're a part of and, and he wants to ensure that the church of the living God is providing walls of safety and security to the whosoever will that we've got walls into which men can run and find refuge and safety where men can come and say at last I'm somewhere where someone will love me and welcome me and bless me. God said, I'm going to measure out a city and it's going to go places that you may not even like. But I have a purpose. 
Zechariah 14, verses 10 and 11, kind of strange verses. But this is what the prophet says, and the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's wine presses. But in verse number 11, and men shall dwell in it. There shall be no utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Two things God spoke to me about. Number one, in this new city, there's got to be room for everyone. Not just, not just our clique. Not, not just our family and not just those that, 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 that we choose. No, no, no. God says you're going to stretch this thing out a lot farther than you ever envisioned. And it's going to cover some territory that doesn't even look beautiful. It, it doesn't even look habitable. It doesn't even look like anyone would want to be there. But you better stretch out those walls. And second of all, that city better be a place of safety. The, the, I, I think I'm echoing what I've already heard from, from Bishop and, and Pastor Harrelson. He's not here. If I get in trouble, they can deal with me. I'm probably in trouble enough. But this ought to be a place of safety for us. It needs to be a politic-free zone. Uh, sorry. Uh, now, now, I'm going to say this unapologetically because I've changed a lot of things about how I do stuff. But I've removed politics not just from my preaching. I've removed it from my social media, from everything I got. Because there's a lot of people, when they hear about Pentecostal and Dothan, they're going to check you out. And... and, and I know you won't like me for this, but when they see some of the politics, and I'm not speaking about anyone in particular, but, but I see what goes on in, in the church in North America. We have equated certain parts of the American lifestyle to Christianity. And we think that because this is how we do it here, this is the way it is. If you're a Christian, you have to think this way, and you have to be, hear me, the world doesn't think like you do. And there's a whole lot of people outside of these four walls. And probably through no fault of their own. They just not heard anything different. They don't think like you do. They don't see the world from your point of view. But if all they see from you is that you got to be this and you got to be that. And, 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 and if you're not of this political party, then, then you obviously are already in hell. Now, is that too rough there? Uh, again. It's, it's like Pastor Harrelson said this morning uh, or, or someone else I was listening to today. No matter what you say, someone's going to raise up. What? But, but, but. I could stand up here and say, men are born with two legs and two arms. And somebody's going to, I know somebody who wasn't. I understand there's exceptions to everything. 
I understand that, that, that there, there, there are circumstances that are always going to be different and there's, there's got to be room within us for a little bit of understanding. But hear me, this city, this new Jerusalem, this kingdom that we are a part of, God is saying, I want you to stretch out its borders farther than even where you're comfortable with. And it needs to be a place of security for everyone that inside these walls there's no more curse that there's no more confusion, that there is strength to comfort even the weakest among us. You see, every city of the Bible was defined by her walls. And too often we think of walls as those things to keep people out, but it was instead as much to keep the people inside secure. If somebody from some ethnic group or if somebody from some political persuasion were to walk in here, would they feel that they're in a safe place? And I know even that word is, is a no-no anymore. Oh, it, it, this isn't supposed to be a safe space. I'm not talking about Democrat or Republican. I'm not talking about one thing or another. I'm talking about men who are in need of God. When they come here, yes, they should feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Yes, they should feel the power of God. Yes, they should see righteousness and holiness in demonstration. But of all that, they must of necessity feel the love of God. So that when they walk into our midst, there's no more fear. There's no more destruction. There's no more condemnation. There's no more rejection. And we give to them a pathway to a place where there is no more sin. God wants to build a new city. Now, now, now there's some things that just blow me away about the Word of God. If you look throughout the chapter that we were reading, uh, Jeremiah chapter number 31, there's, there's just some amazing things even in that chapter. And, and it begins by some amazing promises that, that God gave to his people. And, and this is how it starts in Jeremiah 31 verses 1 and 2. At the same time saith the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people, thus saith the Lord. The people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness, even Israel, when I went to cause him to rest. Later on in that same chapter are contained some of the most powerful promises of our experience in God. Verses 31, and I begin there. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. He's talking about building a new city. A new covenant with Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts, in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor every man his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest of them saith the Lord and I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more unheard of 
Brother Patterson, how could the prophet speak such things that, that God would just wash them all away? Oh, we sang about it already today. What can wash away my sin? Nothing, 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 nothing but the blood of Jesus. God was trying to speak through this prophet not about simply a new city but a, a new relationship and a new covenant and a, a new way of life and no longer is it going to be tablets of stone with letters impressed upon them but, but I'm going to write my word on the fleshly tablets of your heart. A new city for a brand new people. There is probably no better Example of what I'm speaking about than a story that we've already heard this morning, and that is the conversion of an Ethiopian eunuch. And I find that story amazing. In fact, I was worried this morning <clears throat> because Brother Harrelson marched right up to my story that I was going to use, and he went right to my verses that I was going to use, and he went right up to the rabbit hole that I'm going to use. And fortunately, he probably looked down the rabbit hole and said, no, I'll save that for Sully. Thank you, Brother Harrelson. I appreciate your kindness. You saved me just a little bit out of that story that I could share tonight. And he stepped over it and went on to speak about the conversion, the salvation of that Ethiopian eunuch. But I find that story both inspiring and troubling. Because this Ethiopian eunuch, he's on his way home. He's been to Jerusalem. Why would he go to Jerusalem? It's obvious why he would go to Jerusalem. He went there to worship God. Now, what this Ethiopian eunuch who traveled possibly, depending on how you calculate it, 1,000 to 2,000 miles, not on Delta, not on United, not KLM, but apparently in a chariot. That's, that's, that's a long way. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Can't get people to come across town. Uh-oh. Thousands of miles just to get to the house of God. And when he gets there, he, he doesn't know. He just, he just wants God. He just hunger for God. Just, just want to worship God. Just, just want to be in the house of God. What he didn't know is that he's still going to the old city. It was rebuilt from the time of Jeremiah, but it was, spiritually, it's still the old city. And so when this Ethiopian eunuch gets to the temple ground, there's signs everywhere. Do not enter. He's not allowed in. He got two big strikes against him. Number one, he's a foreigner. And the only place for foreigners, understand, this, this has nothing to do with the color of his skin. It's not because he was an African. 
It has to do with the fact he was not a Jew. And it didn't matter what, how white you were or how dark you were, how red or yellow or pink or purple you were. When you got close to the temple, they were watching you and they checked you over. And if you were not of the seed of Abraham, you are not going in. We got a special spot reserved for you over here called the court of the Gentiles. And if you study the Gospels, you know what was going on in the court of the Gentiles. That's where Jesus had to go into and overturn the tables of the money changers and, and the people buying and selling of, of animals. They had turned the one place that the Gentile could go into a farmer's market. And that's where you get to worship God with the stink of the goats and the smell of the calves and, and the pigeon dung on your feet. Second class citizens, that's all you get. It's the old city. Second of all, he's a eunuch. I don't know how he got that way. I'm not even going to talk about it a whole lot. You can just use your imagination. But the scripture is replete with teachings that say that, that men that are eunuchs, and it actually describes it in a whole lot of more colorful terms. And I actually preached this in a sermon. I went through all the colorful terms, and boy, did I get some eyebrows raised. And all I was doing was reading the Bible. Suffice it to say, even if he had not been an Ethiopian, if he had been the purest of the pure, he would not have gone in. You say, they wouldn't have known. Oh, they checked it out, believe me. How do you think they knew if the men were Jews or not? Not going to go down that road either. But there was a reason they had a doorkeeper. Oh, I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, not me. Not me, Baba. That wasn't no good job to have. And can you imagine this man traveled all the way All he wanted to do. Just want to worship God. And there was no place for him. And now he's going home. And on the backside of a desert, he finds consolation in the word of the Lord. And this is what it says. Philip, the evangelist, finds him reading, perusing, pondering these verses. In Acts chapter 8, verse 32, it says, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So he opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, <laughs> talk about someone who felt... Humiliation. You're not welcome here. His judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life was taken away? He's pondering this. He's wondering, what on earth am I even reading? Verse 35 the, the, the man of God jumps on the chariot and, and, and says, And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him 
Jesus. Now, now, now here's the rabbit hole that I found. It's right in that little verse. It says, and beginning at the same scripture. Well, what scripture is it? I'm curious enough to want to know the answer to that question. He, he, he's reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And, and he's just got done reading verses 7 and 8. Now, now, another part of the story is that he just read that by his wounds, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. And in this guy's thinking, he, he, he's wondering, now, now my wounds kept me out of his presence, and now what I'm reading says his wounds will take me in. But, but Philip didn't go backward. He went forward. Beginning at that scripture, he moves forward and, and begins to declare to him Jesus. Now, now that made me wonder. I, I started looking. And, and, and what is it after these profound words? Isaiah chapter 53 is the, the chapter of chapters in Isaiah. But you read on, you're going to find that there's a whole lot more to Isaiah than Isaiah chapter 53. And so Philip began in chapter 53. Let me begin in chapter 53 and, and kind of move forward. I'm not going to read it all. And somebody should say, thank you, Jesus. But I am going to read a little bit of it because if you just go down a little bit from Isaiah 53, you get to Isaiah chapter 54. <laughs> And verse number one starts by saying this, sing, O barren. Now, this guy can relate. Now, it's, it's talking about a barren woman, but, but he can relate because he is going to be childless. And whether by his own will or the will of someone else, he is forever going to be without child. And yet, Philip in his wisdom says, you know what? We've started in a good place. Let's move forward in Jesus' name. And he begins to speak, and, and here's what it says, Isaiah 54, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. And then he gives a promise. He says, get ready, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, strengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. He's saying you have not had children up till now, but you better get ready. You better start building a second floor. You better put the guest room in. You better build some more rooms because you are about to have an explosion of birth. And for a man condemned to never have children, his heart's starting to beat just a little bit faster. But, but the evangelist, he, he's a good evangelist, and he knows how to, how to move this thing forward by the power of God. And so he says, you know what, let's not stop there. Let's, let's move down a few more verses, and, and let's go to chapter 55. And, and this is how 55 says, Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently to me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. How does that relate to this Ethiopian? He had spent so much money just to get into the house of God. 
traveling all these miles and, and spending for lodging and spending for food and, and through it all he was unsatisfied and along comes the man of God that says you spent so much on nothing but let me tell you you are about to be filled to the uttermost you are about to be touched and impacted by God in a way that you could not ever imagine but it gets even better we, do, we, we just keep moving along with the evangelist and he finally gets to chapter 56. And I, I have a feeling, this, this is just the way I think, my apologies, but I got a feeling that there's a brook getting a little bit closer all the time. Because chapter 56 starts out and says this, Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it and keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Now watch. Neither let the son of the stranger he that had joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. The message literally translates that. I am damaged goods and I don't belong. That is exactly what the old city did to this man. It looked at him and said, You're useless. You're damaged goods. There's no place for you in this city. But let me tell you, there is a new city, the new Jerusalem, the church of the living God that is built upon a cornerstone, Jesus Christ. He who is dead and is alive forevermore. And he has built a city there whose foundation is the apostles and it stretches farther than you and I could imagine. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs, that keep my Sabbaths. This guy's saying, man, that sounds like me. If I've ever heard me, that's me. God's got a word for this man. And choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place. And a name better than of sons and daughters, I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the strangers that join themselves to the Lord, to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar for mine house this house this house God's house shall be called a house of prayer for all people This is a kingdom not of meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost established not by the word of man, but by the will of God. Hear me, we are in a new city. And all the laws that man can invent cannot keep me out. And all the prejudice that circulate in our society today cannot keep you out. 
I would like to believe right then when, when, when Philip reads verse number seven, right then the, the man says, there's water. What does hinder me? I've heard all I need to hear. I'm a, I'm a eunuch. I'm an Ethiopian. And in the old city, I was not welcome. But you just said a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch has a place of safety and security in the walls of God's city. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Anybody here want to walk after the spirit tonight? Jesus said, come unto me all ye who are weary and labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. The Pharisees are going to try to push us out but there is the grace of God that's going to escort you and I in to the presence of God. His house, his city has open gates. His house, his his city has open doors and welcomes all. There's no sign on the walls of his city that would dare say, do not enter. But not simply emanating from the word of God, but emanating from the heart of every blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled child of God is a simple message. You're welcome here. I wonder if we could stand this evening in the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah to the Lamb. I speak to two people today, two groups. I speak first to the church of the living God. Hear me. This is a new city. God has measured it out a whole lot bigger than you and I would have. And God's included some places you and I don't want to include. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I'm being brutal here. I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling you what the Lord is speaking to us today. God is stretching not only his city, but he's stretching our faith. Because we're going to walk into a world that is so turned upside down. A world that is so anti-God, excuse the term, anti-Christ. That is so in rebellion against all authority and, and just seemingly following after everything. I, I've, I've seen what you've seen over the last few days. And... And my jaw drops to the ground. I'm thinking, how is this even possible? But in a few days, some of those folks are going to come down from the mob mentality. And they're going to come to themselves. And my prayer would be that I hope that at this altar, I saw you in a video. You ain't coming in here. I saw what you did. I saw what you spray painted. I, I saw what you said. I saw what you did to that guy. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not having that here. Hear me. These walls stretch a whole lot farther than, than what's comfortable for us. But if we really believe that God can save to the uttermost, if we really believe that there is amazing grace that could save a wretch like me, how much more should we not believe in 2020 that God is still not able to save to the uttermost? 
Let me equally speak to that one who feels that they are on the outside looking in, who feels that that they are not measuring up, that they are somehow far from the kingdom of God. Hear me, if I have ever, and if anyone in this place has ever said or done anything that would that would cause you to believe that there's no place for you in this kingdom and in this church, let me apologize to you. I hope I'm, I'm Because I believe the church is big enough. The city of God is big enough. If it could reach out to the leper, and if it could reach out to the unclean, and if it could reach out to the idolater, and if it could reach out to to the most impure of its day by the word of God, how much more should we, the church of the living God, be willing, ready, and able to reach out an arm to a friend, a, a family member, a neighbor, and say, there is a place for you. Hallelujah. We ought to be amazed right now at the grace of God. Would there be anybody that would just lift their hands right now and be marveled at the grace of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, I speak to the broken and I speak to rejected and I speak to those that feel in isolation and I speak to those that have been bruised and battered even by the spirit of the Pharisee that's in the old city. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there's a work of grace that's happening right now. God's trying to move some walls and and God's trying to push some borders and and God's trying to enlarge some hearts right now. He taught them. 